We pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Dear friends in Christ, choosing and choices are a part of the American way of life. How many of you enjoy a Chinese buffet? Yeah. It's a great opportunity to sample a variety of dishes, the most of which I'm probably not going to make at home. Sadly, too often, only about half of them are good examples, but be that as it may, it's an opportunity to express our free choice. Ask a three-year-old what they want for breakfast. Rice Krispies or Cheerios? You got the bowl half full of Cheerios, which is what they asked for. No, no, Dad, I want Krispies. The ability, the right to choose, is ingrained into us. We tongue-in-cheek refer to a woman's right to change her mind, right? It's part of our birthright. We have the right to choose a Ford or a Chevy. And make no mistake, God has richly blessed this country. We have choices, often too many choices. He's given us the reason to evaluate these choices and emotions that often color and sway those choices. Advertising, what we used to refer to as Madison Avenue, is a $219 billion industry in 2018. But it is a serious, it's a grievous mistake to bring that attitude, that mindset to our text this morning from Joshua chapter 24. A significant portion of Christendom reads verse 15, where Joshua declares, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. They hear this text and imagine that God is on the menu, that he's one choice among many, and that Joshua has chosen the good part. In recent years, religious observers have commented on our cafeteria-style approach to spirituality. For many, it means accepting those doctrines that work for me, but rejecting what is offensive. Picking and choosing the Ten Commandments to match my particular lifestyle. But frankly, none of this is being attentive to the text. Joshua does offer a choice. Actually, two, and only two choices. He never uses the word choose regarding Israel's acceptance of or response to Yahweh. What he says is this, If it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, the implied assumption is that they are serving the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorite in whose land you dwell. That's it. A or B. The gods of the Babylonians or the gods of the Amorites. Joshua is, in effect, asking him to choose between gorging on garbage or devouring dung. More importantly, there's an overarching truth here. Harstead writes, Everybody is religious, but the spiritually dead can make only hideous and deadly spiritual choices. This is due to the depravity of human nature ever since the fall in Genesis 3. Close quote. When it comes to spiritual matters, natural man has only the ability to reject God and his word. Apart from God's regenerative work and his word and sacraments, all people are eternally lost. That's true for us. It's true for the people of Israel standing in front of Joshua at Shechem. Joshua's audience does not consist of unregenerate heathen. They're God's people. God's chosen people, Israel. 
to take Joshua's words, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and turn them into free will, into a Joshua or Israel or anybody else's free choice, is simply to deny God's role and to misunderstand what's taking place in Joshua chapter 24. So what is the text about? Well, in a word, election. Go back to the beginning. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel, her elders and heads of family, her judges and officers, and declared, quote, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, and they served other gods. That's verse 2. And then we skip from verse 3 through 13. But actually those verses are critical to understand what's going on. In those 11 verses, Joshua rehearses the story of election. They served other gods. But I, I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the lands of Canaan. I chose him and I multiplied him. I gave him Isaac. And to Isaac I gave Esau and Jacob. To Esau I gave Mount Seir, but Jacob and his sons went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron and plagued Egypt. You know what I did in your midst. I brought your fathers out of Egypt, but they pursued you to the Red Sea, and I put darkness between you and the Egyptians. And then I covered them with the sea. I brought you to the land of the Amorites, and they fought with you, but I gave them their land. Then Balak, the king of Moab, arose against you and called Balaam to curse you, but I was not willing to listen to Balaam, and I had him bless you. You crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the citizens of Jericho fought against you. And also the Amorites, the Perizzites, and the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I gave them into your hand. Abraham, Israel, did not choose Yahweh. He chose them. Verse 12, it was not by your sword or by your bow. It's not a question of a Ford or a Chevy. Far from it. Across the river, on the other side of the Jordan, Moses declared in Deuteronomy 7, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people of his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people, but the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all the people. But it was because the Lord loves you. Close quote. For you and I, it's baptism. There God chose you. He washed you in the blood of his son and clothed you in his righteousness. You were 100% passive. You received. You were made a holy temple to the Holy Spirit. You are redeemed. After all that, for Israel at Shechem, for you and I, after election, after baptism, now we can hear Joshua correctly. Even if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose. Sure, you have choices. You can choose to leave. You can reject the gift of God's grace, the gift of God offers to you. You can make a shipwreck of your faith, to borrow Paul's words from 1 Timothy. In fact, we have even more choices than the two that Joshua offers. Luther wrote, Without his word, all is idolatry and lies. 
however devout it may seem, and however beautiful it may appear. Close quote. In our confessions acknowledge the one-sided nature of choice. Melanchthon writes in the Augsburg Confession, concerning free will, it is taught that a human being has some measure of free will, so as to live an externally honorable life and to choose among things reason comprehends. You can choose a Ford or a Chevy. But Melanchthon goes on. However, without the grace, help, and operation of the Holy Spirit, a human being cannot become pleasing to God, fear or believe in God with the whole heart, or expel innate evil lusts from the heart. Close quote. Much of what Joshua has to say is paralleled, paralleled by what Jesus has to say in John chapter 6 from our gospel lesson. Both discourses are preceded by physical gifts from God. Five barley loaves and two fish for the 5,000 people in John 6. A land flowing with milk and honey in Joshua. Both recognize God as the sole source of blessing, especially spiritual blessings, the lengthy recounting of the story of election in Joshua. In John 6, Jesus affirms that, quote, no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. Both acknowledge that the human choice of rejection is possible. Joshua exhorts, if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. And John records that after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Both elicit a strong confession of faith. Simon Peter, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And all the tribes of Israel responded, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. And there is one final parallel that comes immediately after both texts. Both prophesy apostasy, a falling away, and damnation. The very next verse in Joshua, You are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He's a jealous God, and he will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. Jesus declares, Did I not choose you, the twelve? Be yet one of you is a devil. These are salutary words for us to hear. Not only do we retain the choice of rejection, but the reality of our election this side of heaven is that we are both saint and sinner. 100% saint and 100% sinner at the same time. So we must heed Paul's words to the church at Corinth. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. In heeding these words, we can circle back to the original question. What is the text about? Well, election, certainly. But it does not end there. Verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Or to render it a little more literally, serve him completely and continually. It's a question of sanctification. Living in or under our election as the baptized children of God. First Joshua directs people to serve the Lord completely. What he said applies to us as well. But what does he mean? Well, quite simply, 
to strive in the power of Christ to live a life pleasing to God, patterned after his will. And that will is mirrored in the Ten Commandments, which we need to study and apply without exception. But we know from the Sermon on the Mount that it's more than just action. It's a matter of the heart. It's an attitude. Second, Joshua urges Israel and us to fear the Lord. This is not abject fear of God's holy wrath against every transgression of his will. It is a fear that expresses itself in awe and reverence. But it's even more. Our confessions speak of a filial fear, the fear of a son for his father, that he would do nothing to dishonor or to offend his dad. And that's possible for each of us through the adoption as sons and daughters in baptism. David captures it well in Psalm 130. But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. This fear does not militate against our love for God or our joy in the Lord. It actually serves to promote and intensify these holy emotions. There Joshua insists, does God on the exclusiveness of our service to him. There's to be no double-heartedness, no divided allegiance. Joshua leads by example. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people, we respond in kind. Therefore, we will also serve the Lord, for he is our God. And finally, Joshua told Israel and us to serve continually. Our endeavor is not to be intermediate when it's convenient. We're not to take this opportunity and pass that one by. Rather, we are to seek out the lost, the last, the least, and the lowest. God chose us. Now he invites us to live, to share, to be his people in this time and place, to exercise our reasonable choice. Sure, go ahead and choose a Ford or a Chevy. But to exercise that choice, confident in the choice that preceded all of it, God chose us to be his children in Christ, heirs of eternal life. Amen. Now may the peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.